1: some 2020 rookie prospect previews or prospect watch, whatever you want to call it. We should, we should probably have a proper name for this segment, (laughs) but um, last week I had Michael Pittman jr. The white wide receiver out of USC. You had
2: Samuel Cosme, the offensive lineman out of Texas.
1: Correct. Next week we will be joined by uh, Brent Taylor of the Alabama, the SB nation, Alabama site. He's going to help us, Talk about Tua Tagovailoa and maybe a couple of other Alabama prospects, but mostly Tua since the Bengals seem to be on the quarterback hunt this this year. And we'll be uh, joined by a member of uh, Addicted to Quack. I love, oh my gosh, I love that, subject, <laughs> that uh The Oregon site. Of in the SB Nation Network to help help us talk about Justin Herbert, and we'll be joined by other guests down the road. So look forward to that next week as we record. Uh, both those guys will give us some great insight on both those quarterbacks. So the quarterback stuff will start next week. This week, I'm going to switch gears from offense to defense, and I'm going to talk about uh, – kenneth murray the linebacker out of oklahoma and i'm gonna go first john because i know you've watched this guy as well so potentially if i leave some things out about him uh you you can you know chime in a little bit based on some some limited film i've watched and some people by the way some of our listeners talked about him last week and so we kind of, they kind of stuck him on our radar a little bit. I mean we obviously knew the player, but we kind of said, you know what, let's let's maybe look at him based on some suggestions that we received from some of our listeners. So we pay attention to you guys, I promise. Kenneth Murray, D, you know, well, well built guy. I think he's about 6'2", 245. Played a little bit of kind of an outside linebackerish role. He's kind of he's going to be an inside linebacker, I think, at the next level. As I watch tape of him, John, he flies around pretty well. Uh, he's a he's a solid tackler. He does make the occasional wow tackle. Um, so I, I like all of that. One thing I, I that sticks out to me as I watched some of his tape is that hit the sacks he's accrued the big tackles for losses, all of that. It's not him sitting back at the middle level of the defense, waiting, diagnosing, and shooting a gap and getting in there and making a play. He has to be right on the line. Uh, I know mm-hmm. now, sometimes, you know, you're going to move guys around. I noticed that a little bit in Jermaine Pratt's college tape because he moved around quite a bit on defense. They had him rush the passer off the edge occasionally. He would play out in space. He, he would move around and do a bunch of different – he was a former safety, Pratt was, so – I mean, they allowed him to, to do that, but when I when I looked at the tape, the sacks, you know, they came kind of predictably when he was lined up on along the defensive line, the tackles for loss, wasn't really a diagnose, uh, you know, he didn't diagnose the play, shoot a gap from a few yards back and tackle the ball carrier. It seemed to be mostly stuff that he was stacked at the line and just kind of fought his way through some blocks or, kind of sneaked past some offensive linemen to go unblocked and make a big play. Now I don't want to say that's a major deterrent necessarily for him, but you know that's that's something I noticed on some of his big plays. Speaking of the big plays, they they are a little limited. Uh no interceptions in three seasons. Only one forced fumble in three seasons. That and that was in 2017. No fumble recoveries in three seasons, so uh, a little bit of a limit in terms of the big plays, the wow plays. However, um, with still probably, I, I believe, a, at least a game to play, um, Oklahoma. So as like I said a, about a game to play, he has three sacks this year. He had four and a half last year, so seven and a half total sacks the past couple of seasons. So he can get off the after the passer a little bit. A sure tackler. Sometimes he'll over pursue a little bit. I've seen some people compare him to like a Thomas Davis. I've seen some people compare him to to other, you know, other linebackers out there. I think he's a promising prospect. I think the highest he would probably go is maybe a late one, high two. I don't think he's has wow of a prospect as like a. Uh, Uh, the Edmonds kid that the Bills got a couple of years ago. I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to shoot off the charts athletically like that. Um, But I think he's a very, he's going to be a solid pro. I think he's going to be a solid linebacker. I don't think all pro, I don't think perennial pro bowler, but I think that that is something the Bengals need. I think Pratt has shown a little bit of stability. I don't think he will ever be as good of a player as Kenneth Murray can be in the NFL, but Pratt has given a little bit of stability to the defense. Pratt can maybe, you know, be a guy you lean on for the next couple of years as a linebacker. You bring in a Murray, you can kind of switch around those guys, have them do different things. And I think all of a sudden you've got a couple of linebackers to raise the Bengals linebacker group from below average to well below average to at least average to maybe even above average by bringing this kid in so that's th- those have been kind of my observations of murray as an oklahoma sooner i don't know if you have any additional insight on him because i know you watched some tape on him as well
2: so the one thing i love about murray is his production it's something yeah. i value so much at the linebacker spot is production specifically sold tackle market share last year and 2018 i think he accounted for 13 percent of Oklahoma solo tackles right now he's at 11 11 is really the cutoff when in terms of separating just starting potential linebackers and pro Bowl potential linebackers so two years of really high quality production is great I know it's in the big 12 and I know you know there's a lot to say about that and whatever but um, the production is definitely there he, he flies all around the field great sideline to sideline speed like you said uh, he's been more of the, the outside linebacker that weak side linebacker spot so he's been able to roam free in space the one thing I don't like about him or think he needs to work on. Uh, his tackling form is definitely not very sound. He goes high a lot and yeah. sometimes it gets, him, it gets him into trouble uh, a lot sometimes. So you, you got to think like you know if you're making all these tackles but you're also missing some in the process because you're going too high you're not wrapping up at the legs it could be something to watch for it could be something where maybe that doesn't necessarily translate that quickly into the nfl so definitely a great athlete definitely productive as always in the right spots he reads his keys very well he reads his keys all the way through he doesn't always you know shoot the gap he thinks is going to be he make he he knows what he's looking at. He knows, you know, where to go and knows where to be, and that's why he's able to produce so many tackles. So definitely an int- intriguing prospect, and he's going to be drafted somewhere around the guy I'm going to talk about. And, and e- even if, you know, last week I talked about Cosme, who's a redshirt sophomore. Uh, this guy, he's a true junior, but he's he might he might also not declare for the draft because of certain factors. He's Willie Gay Jr. He's a linebacker out of Mississippi State. Um, he's you know, again, he's a true junior who. Has only played four games this year. He has minimal starting experience. He's not even a full time starter for Mississippi State's defense. But there is still a lot to like about this guy. as As a high school player uh, back in 2016, he was also he played quarterback as well as linebacker uh, for his high school, and he also set a school record for 325 rushing yards in a single game as quarterback. So definitely, there's definitely some athletic promise with him. He was a four star recruit. And he had the choice between lsu michigan amongst other schools he decided to go with Dan mullins mississippi state who's recruited a ton of great defensive players when he was he was there i think mississippi state last year had the number one defense in the entire nation that was his most productive year his most active year unfortunately this year he's only played in four games because he was injured he was suspended from, I think, academic probation. He's dealt with some injuries that has kept him off the field. His first actual drive in the season was against Kentucky in late September, and on that drive, he had a pick six. Now, Kentucky, obviously, I hope our boss Jason Markham doesn't hear this, but Kentucky's football is not very good this year, and unfortunately, that they didn't play very good in that game. But it's a testament to the type of value that Gabe provides, and he's probably the best coverage linebacker, according to, to pro football focus in this year's class. He is the highest coverage grade last year. I think he was graded 90.6 for the 2018 season. And this year, I think he's graded also in, in the high nineties as well. So that's, that's the value. That's the asset that Gabe provides to, to a team like the Bengals who sorely need it. He's a raw athlete in space. Now, when I say raw, I mean, he's, Lightning quick, lightning fast. He's able to switch his hips, run with a scene route. He's able to accelerate on a dime. He's able to match up with routes going over the middle, going over his head. He's able to stick on the guys, but he's not the most balanced athlete, right? He he doesn't click and close very cleanly. He doesn't stick his foot into the ground. He's able to kind of get off balance a little bit, but he just, he's able to be in position and he's able to make things work. He uh, Not a lot of passes that come his way end up getting complete. He's able to be in the right position for for the pass to go in accurate, to make a play on the ball. I think he has the lowest passer rating when targeting, according to PFF. So, again, coverage-wise, coverage, coverage wise, that is where his value is. But also, you know, for praising that value of his that comes with the downside, and it's the fact that he's not very physical as a run defender. And he is going to miss a lot of tackles. But, again, that raw athleticism allows him to be in the right position, even when, you know, initially he may read the wrong key or he may be in the wrong fit. He's able to, you know, accelerate to whatever point he needs to go. And he just kind of gets the job done because that's that's kind of what those raw athletes do. Like they, they are just able to be in in certain positions where other athletes who may read read um, plays a little bit better, they're just a little bit too slow to get in. So a raw athlete in space, again, the coverage production is definitely there. But the, another problem with him, he hasn't been on the field very much, and because of that, his production as a linebacker has also been very shoddy. I think he only has a he only had a four uh, point seven percent sold tackle market share last year when his first. Uh, full season as a starter and again he's only played in four or five games this year so definitely doesn't have a lot of experience doesn't have a lot of production to his name and because of that he might decide it, b- it might be best to c- return to mississippi state but if he goes and enters this class of linebackers who we're going to get into more depth as, as the process goes on but it's not a very uh top heavy like it was last year with guys like devin white devin bush who were yeah. first, our first round. there might only be one first round linebacker in this class uh, a guy that we may even talk about uh, on this program in, in the coming weeks. So th- this linebacker class can be very thin at the top, and it's where a guy like Gay can potentially r- arise towards the later part of the process because he, he has the one value that teams are looking more and more at the linebacker position for. And it's the ability to defend the pass. And when you, when you have a guy like Pratt who might be the only – Linebacker on this team that's on the roster in 2020, his biggest weakness this year has been coverage. He's been a, a very fine run defender, a very explosive run defender, but he's been lost in coverage so many times. That's why it's been a long time for you know defense coordinator Lu- and Arumo to trust him to play significant snaps. a, a guy like Gay is not going to start week one. He might not even start his first year, but you can put him in situations. Um, on, on passing down some second long and third long yeah. putting on the defense and just, just tell him to, to just tell him to guard the zone. Just tell him to match up with the tight end, tell him to match up with the slot receiver, tell him to match up in some, in some type of deep intermediate zone and just, and just take it away because he, uh, out of basically all these linebackers that aren't in this class, he might be the guy that's able to just get the job done the best. And the production is definitely not there. The experience is not there, but the athleticism is there. And the, the, the ability to take away some intermediate zones and coverage and the ability to, to latch on to those intermediate routes, that's definitely there. So uh, I don't know where he gets drafted. Honestly, it could be as high as the third. It could be as late as the sixth, depending on what his overall profile ends up being. But he has an asset that the Bengals need. And if he does declare, he's going to be an interesting name to watch.
1: So I'm going to piggyback uh, and and say some things about Kenneth Murray, that, uh, but both based on what you said about him. And uh, some some questions we've got in the in the live chat about, uh, so Ken, Ken Fetcher says, can Murray cover a tight end? My answer to that would be not particularly well. Uh, from what I've seen, he's got five total passes defended in the past three years, three in 2019. And from what I saw on film, uh, I mean, he would kind of sit in the middle of the field and he'd knock away a pass or two and... You know, I I don't see him running necessarily well step for step with a tight end and covering him. Um, maybe unlike Gay, who who seems to be a bit more athletic in that front. Um, uh, so I don't I don't know that I would be overly comfortable putting Kenneth Murray necessarily on a tight end regularly. Um, but I, I could be wrong about that, John. Um, the other thing I just wanted to mention based on your you know, your production comment about Murray, 155 tackles in 2018, 71 solo. So that, that kind of plays into what you were, what you were talking about with him, your thoughts on Murray in, in coverage, as well as, I mean, it sounds like you think you're more confident in gay in coverage than you are Murray based on athleticism.
2: Yeah, like I, Murray, I think might actually end up running faster th- than, um, yeah, than it does. I think NFL draft, NFL draft scout has like a four five seven for Murray right now, and you, that's definitely evident on film. And you know, I, I Bengals fans specifically are are so um, intoxicated with just taking away tight ends, and um, like it, it's not the same as it was, you know, five years ago when this when this issue really came up for the Bengals and how the you know the tight end was really starting to revolutionize the passing. But now the tight end is being used more. D- diversely in passing games they're being used more as wide receivers they're being in the slot they're lining up out wide it, it's more than just having you know whatever strong side linebacker you have line up against yeah. an inline tight end and, and taking away whatever route he has it, it's not always up to a specific linebacker to match up with him and coverage it's more because teams are more you know dependent on zone coverages and they rely on, on more just overhang defenders maybe strong safeties to, to handle that role so i don't know if Matching up and taking away tight ends specifically is an asset that Bengals fans need to watch for linebackers. But I think when given the right opportunity, a, an athlete like Murray can do that, and especially a guy like Gay can do that in certain in certain situations. It, it's more about just being disciplined in your zone and, and being able to to cover a, a, a certain amount of ground in a certain amount of time. Because you know, NFL defense is now are designed to basically allow stuff in front of them and collapse on it closely because offenses are getting so much smarter and in creating mismatches with whatever athletes that they have. So it's almost impossible to go up in man coverage all across the board. Um, especially when offenses are, are going into more 10 personnel, more empty looks, it, it stresses out the defense even more, which, for, which puts defenses more in zone coverage and takes them out of main coverage in that situation. So it's not necessarily about which linebackers can match up against tight ends. Um, and yeah. in, in whatever zone coverage you have, it's just about you know having guys reliable to, to trust their eyes and being in the right spots and, and taking away the big plays while allowing some short plays in front of them to happen. But both those guys can collapse down on on plays in front of them quickly. It's just a matter of can they can they finish in, in tackling and whatnot. And that's an area that both of them kind of need to work on. But in terms of being great athletes in space and and providing you know coverage in intermediate zones, I think both those guys can handle that.
1: Yeah. Well said. I mean, there's not there's not much really to add on that. You 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 hit the nail on the head there. And uh, I mean, I think like like you said, really, it's not always going to be up to a linebacker to cover a tight end, a pass catching tight end. Maybe sometimes here and there, but it's going to be that's kind of a by committee thing, uh, right? In the NFL these days. But obviously, the Bengals need linebacker help. That's why we both decided to go to linebacker this week. Uh, I, I see, <laughs> I see. Dave Lennox says. Kicker. I actually almost previewed a kicker today, believe it or not. I did. I, I I promise you, I did. And we may do that down the road, but um, yeah, I I almost did, but we decided to go linebacker this week. uh And as we go to to quarterback next week, anything else you want to add about these guys, John?
2: Yeah, P- Peter Nephis in the comment section. Do we need a linebacker coach? The current linebacker coach is Tim Lukabu who came from none other than Mississippi State. So there could be a relationship between Lukabu and, and Gay itself. So I, I didn't even think about that until now. So I don't know if they're going to get rid of Lukabu. Um, I, I think they're going to give you know this entire defense a clean slate of linebackers, and Pratt might be the only one who survives. So if that is Lukabu who, who's going to oversee the, 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 the rebuild of that position, it, it could be a guy like Gay who who he definitely knows from college.
1: Where do you see uh, this? Where do you see both these guys going? I said I th- I thought Murray was probably a, a, a top of two, um, you know, probably a second round guy. Where do you see Gay going?
2: Again, like it really depends on what the NFL looks at him because he had that suspension, he has that injuries, and if he does declare, he's going to be a very inexperienced three year player. And that could either plummet his draft stock, but it could also intrigue teams saying that this guy might have more upside than what what is originally perceived. And again, having that asset of being a coverage guy, it could propel him into maybe even the third round. Like right now, if he finishes, you know, the season strong, I think I guess Mississippi City only has like one game left in his bowl game. So if, if he does have a strong performance there to, to close out the season, maybe he declares and he winds up somewhere in the middle to the top of the third round, so it's definitely not going to be a first round, probably not going to be a second round type player. But you know, what? we're talking about the Bengals, who haven't drafted a linebacker above the third round since I guess Ray Malaluga. So it could be in the range for where they might look at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this position group is hard to to predict where they end up. I mean, everybody in the in their mother. I, I mean, I had him in the second, I think second round when I when we did our mock draft, Mac Wilson. Everybody and their mother thought he was a second rounder, maybe third rounder, he fell, what, all the way to the fifth or sixth round? Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, this is a hard position to predict, especially for maybe guys that are viewed as a little bit more limited 4-3 inside guys or what have you. Um, It's You know, if if you can only play one or two downs or perceive to be able to play one or two downs in the NFL, you're not going to get taken on day one or two. So that's just... That's the reality of it. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can get the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and all of our stuff is on CincyJungle.com. So subscribe to our channels and join us live when you can for all of our episodes. We'd love to have you join us either through Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. So you got to go like Cincy Jungle and get notifications of when we're streaming live. Or if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can get the notifications as to when our next episodes are as well. We've been joined, I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, we have been joined, rec- joined recently by some members of the SB Nation Network to help us preview Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, and Joe Burrow most recently. Uh, before that, you and I gave our takes on a couple of different players. So uh, we are going to continue our 2020 prospect watch. We've done, uh, I we did Michael Pittman, we did the three quarterbacks. I did Michael Pittman, the wide receiver of USC, and gosh, I'm... Blinking on, uh, blinking on my second guy, but hey, he, Kenneth Murray. The yes, linebacker? that's right, Kenneth Murray, the linebacker. Thank you. And then uh, the three quarterbacks that were done by other folks. I've got another guy on tap. You did Samuel Cosme, the offensive lineman, mm-hmm. of Texas. The and then you had a was it a corner? It was a linebacker for Mississippi yeah, that's State. Right. And, that's
2: right. That's um, right. Honestly, I'm forgetting his name. This is he reverse. was. Uh, <laughs> It, it, junior uh junior <laughs> yeah yeah let's call him junior
1: yeah um and then the three quarterbacks uh so who do you who do you have on tap this week uh so i wanted
2: to do something to celebrate the college football playoff pick up willie, willie, willie gay jr by the way y- yes yes that was it that was it yeah. so i for this week college football playoffs uh i wanted to do a prospect that not necessarily a consensus first round pick because I think the first round discussion for the Bengals is a little not, not, not mood at this point, but I'm more intrigued now for the guys who could be around the second, third or fourth round. And maybe a guy that is someone to watch for this weekend who could be on the radar as one of the picks after potentially Joe Burrow. And I'm going to go with AJ Terrell, the cornerback out of Clemson Um, in general cornerbacks out of that scheme don't have a lot of ball production because of how dominant that defensive line is and how hard it is for opposing quarterbacks to really you know target receivers downfield and you know get the full timing of the routes under them so cornerbacks naturally will have an easier job in that in that defense in that scheme that defense is out of its mind it's going to give Ohio State some some definite problems this week but Terrell In general, is a prospect that I think the Bengals are going to be very infatuated with. He's only 21 years old. He's a three-year starter. Again, one of the best defenses in the country, and he has he has the the mold, athleticism, and physicality wise of a cornerback that the Bengals could like to target. He's six one, only 190 pounds. uh, In high school, in high school, and like the the uh, the opening, which is like the Nike Elite, uh, basically combine test for the top prospects. He ran like a almost a sub four second short shuttle and a four or five flat 40. So I would expect that 40 to be a little little bit more improved, but on tape at that size, he's just so fluid and he really just glides on, you know, go routes and he's able to stick together on on, stick with receivers on crossing routes. I think there were a couple of plays last year in the college football playoff where he just sucked to Henry Ruggs the, the third, who's maybe the fastest receiver in college football. So the athleticism is definitely not the problem here. Uh, I, again he's really young so he's got a lot of room to grow but growing is going to be the m- main part for him because physically at the catch point is where he struggles the most and while he does have the ability to stick with guys and bump run coverage it, it's it's honestly just the ball skills that are really still need to be developed and i know that's going to turn a lot of people off because that's a, a quality that you should definitely definitely look for in a quarterback to translate you know positively in the NFL and if you don't have it you may not ever develop it but literally this guy has everything else because, you know, he has the body type of a Drake or Patrick of a William Jackson, but he's so much more physical than both of those guys. And those guys throughout the early portion of their careers dealt with missed tackles a bunch, but he's actually one of the better tackling cornerbacks in the, in this class. I think profile fo- pro football focus has him in the upper 80th percentile in terms of missed tackle percentage. So when he, when he touches guys, they, they go to the ground. So missed tackling is not going to be a problem with them. So he brings an asset to that. But also just being young and being in a defense that, you know, predicates themselves on these off coverage looks, which is what the Bengals want to do with their cornerbacks, having the type of youth and the physicality that, you know, this team values at this position, while also not having to start immediately at a position that they should have at the very least two starters in, you know, on this roster right now. I think he becomes a really good option either in the second or third round of this draft. But it's really depending on how he tests at the combine.
1: So we had a question in the live chat. John, I think it was from death to religion, um, in the live YouTube chat. Uh, can he cover tight ends?
2: He's a he's a cornerback. Like, is that is that is that just a joke at this point? Because that was what we that's what we asked when we were talking over the linebackers. Like, he's he's a he's a boundary cornerback, and so right. if, if you're if you're on man coverage against Travis Kelsey, you're going to pick Kelsey to win that matchup, anyways. But I, I think he has the athleticism to. to tack on with possession guys and and speed burner guys. So it really comes down to if his main question is physicality at the catch point against bigger receivers, then no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust him to go up against the tight end in, in, in in line formation. So he's just, he's just a raw cornerback right now. He's very young and has the ability to grow into something more, but you like what you see already with this tape and you, you like that there's potential
1: room for growth. Yeah. I, th- I think the, the question maybe more stemmed is, you know, is there a a Denard maybe kind of comparison there where, you know, you mentioned he's more physical. He has the build of a Drake Kirkpatrick or a, right. or a, uh, you know, William Jackson, but it's, it's more physical than those two guys. So maybe that's where the, co- the comments stand. So keep it to the Cincy jungle podcast channel to get our show and the others on the slate, as well as, uh, our YouTube channel for all of our videos and whatnot. We appreciate the support. Subscribe where you get your audio channels. Leave us a review and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, keep it to cdcjunkle.com for news, opinions, analysis, all that good stuff. John, let's continue another list we've been doing, the 2020 prospect watch list. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first this time?
2: I'll go first. I'm pr- I'm, go I, 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 I like the guy we're going to talk about. and this His name did actually pop up. In our listener questions episode from last Friday, if you haven't checked that out, definitely check that out on Sissy Jungle and, and our and anywhere you can get our podcast. But uh, there was a mentioning about just how the Bengals are gonna attack the linebacker position. And it's been I we just talked about it about half an hour ago. I think if they're gonna get some type of a quality starter, it's probably gonna be at the linebacker position. What player that is, we don't know. A lot of people want to say it's Corey Littleton, Regardless, that's beside the fact. This isn't this, uh, an extremely strong class of linebackers, but as our friend Matt Minage likes to say, it's not about the quality of class; it's just about finding the right guy for you. And there's a lot of guys in this class that aren't seen as traditional linebackers. They're, they're guys who could potentially make a transition into more of an off-ball role because of, of size constraints, or just because they're, they're just great athletes. And, and you know, the, the NFL wants them out in space because the coverage is so much more important than it was 10 years ago. So, looking at you know beyond you know the first round because there's going to be you know, Isaiah Simmons off the board, Patrick Queen off the board, potentially Kenneth Murray off the board. The, the Bengals might have to get creative, and they probably aren't going to want to rely on a rookie linebacker playing significant snaps because they had issues with Jermaine Pratt last year, getting him on the field, getting him acclimated into the system, and it took a while for him to really hit a stride, and so I think they're going to have Pratt and some type of other veterans start for them, so they would want a guy who can play in spurts and can give them a building coverage, but not necessarily you know, have to rely on him to play significant snaps, but also... Because this this defense has evolved into more of a multiple front, that I could have, I could definitely see them wanting a guy who has experience, you know, playing on the line of scrimmage, you know, setting the edge off the edge, but also experienced pressure in the passing. I think that's when you get a guy like Zach Bond from Wisconsin. His name would definitely start to end the conversation when you get into round two, or even if by some chance he falls into round three. Now Bond, it was a pass rusher in Wisconsin. Unfortunately, he was a redshirt senior um, at and that's way into the draft, and he only played two years. Two true years of wisconsin because he dealt with injuries uh the first year that he was supposed to play the first year that he was supposed to start so he only really has two years worth of tape and unfortunately um not a lot of experience as an off-ball linebacker but in terms of pr- productivity as a pass rusher i believe pff had him graded and and the um he had a 91.6 pass rushing grade uh this past year at wisconsin he was very productive there and that's where that's where most of his tape is um uh, for this 2019 season but the main thing here is that they saw him down the senior bowl. He played for the North team under the lions and the lions used the crap out of him as, you know, as an off ball guy. And that's what the Bengals did with Jonathan Grenard for the South team. But you know, Bond, you know, obviously he had a good week. He, he There's a reason why he's still being talked about as, as a guy who could potentially go in the second round. Like he didn't blow his chances at all, you know, trying to fit into multiple roles um, as an off ball linebacker. But the thing of why this transition can make sense is because, you know, he when he when he was asked to play in space, when he was asked to drop back in coverage, the ability to flip his hips, the the, the flexibility that he has as a, as an athlete in space, it definitely showed up. So this is a you know, it's it's going to be hard for him to be a full time edge defender. I think he was listed as two hundred thirty pounds or whatever um, at college, and he went up to two hundred forty one for the Senior Bowl. And I think a lot of that was because he was expecting, you know, a lot of questions, a lot of teams who wanted want him more as an off ball guy. But the versatility that he provides, the fact that he is competent in space, the fact that he can handle a lot of coverage responsibilities. He had a he had a coverage rate of 73, 77.3 last year for PFF, and I think he had a coverage rate of like eighty one in the year before. So there, there is you know productive tape for him you know playing in those short zones, be able to match up coverage on on some of those shorter routes. So I, I you know for for at least twenty twenty, a guy who can be more of a reserve, a spot starter, as he still gets acclimated to the position, but also. They need depth of edge rusher too. Like they're they're going to rely on Dunlap and Hubbard and Lawson to play the ma- the majority of the snaps, but to have a guy in Bond who can kind of give them, those guys a break and provide a, you know a pressure and a pinch, you know, with experience of being in a system that is similar to this, I think there's a lot of value in that. And we have to recognize that the Bengals when they do draft guys high, they they want guys to do multiple things, and especially for guys in in, in the defensive front, if you will, just just guys who can do multiple a multitude of things. And they have the luxury of not necessarily having to you know, rely on him being at a traditional linebacker and play significant snaps immediately. But, you know, he's got the athleticism. He's got the experience. He's highly regarded as a high character guy. He's a former quarterback in high school. He was a multi-positional multi, multi um, positional player in high school. He actually ran track, was, was um, also a basketball player as well. So there's a lot of great things to like about Bond, but there's not a lot of elite things where he would go in the first round. So I think in terms of, if they want to trade back in the second round, and if they if, if he ends up falling to them, I think he's a target for sure for them to fill multiple roles in this defense.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a like you said, kind of a little bit of a tweener guy, but but a lot of skills that you like. Um, just seems to be like an all around, like he's he's pretty good at everything, right? right. I mean, he's kind of, I mean, there there might be some, like you said, there might be uh, for some for some off ball stuff and more of four, three set where he's maybe playing a little bit more traditional linebacker type of stuff. There may be a learning curve there, but he seems to to be able to, he seems to be a heady guy that that's kind of a Wisconsin defense trait. Like in order to be a Wisconsin defensive player and play well in that system, you got, you got to have a high football IQ. This kid seems to have it. He seems to have a lot of skills. I, I do like this kid and I think he would um, be someone that, uh, uh, yeah, Brian Kramer says I think Dave Lapham is high on Bonds, so that's guy. Um, well, if Lappin is high on him, I'm assuming the Bengals are high on him too. <laughs> correct, correct. So uh, that's that's someone to look at. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sharon. I'm Anthony Cazenza. Get this podcast on any number of audio platforms wherever you download your podcast. Subscribe to our channel. Get our show along with other shows in the Cincy Jungle Network. Also check out our YouTube channel and. Uh, try and join us live either via YouTube, Cincy Jungle's Facebook page. It's also up on CincyJungle.com. And, of course, keep, keep it to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, and Bengals insight. Let's move on, John. We've done a series of these with a number. We should probably keep a list of who we've done. I mean, uh, we've done a, a lot of these, both of our own analysis and with help of others, From the SB Nation Network, we did the big three quarterbacks in Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, Joe Burrow. By the way, Tua did declare for the draft, so he is entering the draft, for those who do not know. We did uh, a couple of offensive linemen, uh, a wide receiver, and uh, an edge rusher. So we've we've got a lot. So go back to our older episodes if you missed any of that and check out some of the the player profiles that we have done. John, I'm going to let you kick it off this week with your prospect if unless you're uncomfortable i can i can kick off uh nah, it's, it's best for the ill-prepared guy to lead off with this presentation okay so. all right they, get <laughs> it get, get the jitters the presentation jitters yeah. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I,
2: I, i'm i'm gonna stick with um i'm gonna go a senior bowl guy this week and a senior bowl guy next week to prepare for the senior bowl in two weeks and i'm gonna start with a.j green no not the receiver the cornerback hmm. out of oklahoma state a four-year player out of Oklahoma state. I think he, he fits a lot about what they would look for at the position. I know when cornerback a, a couple weeks ago with AJ Terrell of Clemson, who had a decent game against Ohio state, but if they don't bring back AJ green for this year, they can always replace that name, that name on the roster with a cornerback. Who's going to be at the senior bowl out of Oklahoma state. I like his production for starters. He had three consecutive years at Oklahoma state with 39 solo tackles. Believe it or not, solo tackles is a a good indication of of production in terms of success in the NFL for cornerbacks specifically. it's, It's solo tackles and pass deflections. And over the, over his three years where he started at home state 21 pass deflections, six interceptions. I think he led the big 12 interceptions in 2017 with four. So, you know, say which one to make the Big Twelve production is production, whether it's inflated or not. There's there's some skill sets to like about this guy. I mean, 6'1", hundred ninety, he, he could be listened more on the on the under, on, maybe not one ninety, maybe, maybe more close to one eighty five. Could be listened in terms of more on the other sides, but has a lot of experience in in, in these cover one single high safety type um uh type of uh, coverage concepts or whatever. He's very he's very comfortable backpedaling. He's very com- very comfortable playing with, with his eyes towards the ball. Very comfortable being left in zone is able to just you know pound down on, on these inbreaking routes in terms of backpedaling and then clicking and closing. Uh, the ball skills is obviously still there with the amount of ball production that he's had over the course of his three years. The athleticism is, is evident. He can flip his hips very easily. He can run with those vertical routes. But just kind of like it was with Terrell, the the, the strength of the catch point can kind of co- can kind of come into his way a little bit. The lack of size is obviously concerning. You have to wonder he played on the boundary so much in college, but maybe he won't be able to get away with that in the NFL, where he have to use that length and that lack of size in the slot to, to maximize whatever potential that he has but I think you always have to look at experienced guys with a lot of ball production and a lot of production around, around the ball, whether it be solo tackles or getting your hands on the ball. Again, it's the big 12 and you, you can de- devalue defensive players if you want, but you know, Bengals should be int- interested by the name for starters, but a good athlete with a lot of production, he's going to test well prior to the combine. We get to see him extensively at the senior bowl. I think this guy has a lot of traits to be a potentially a late second round or early or a late day two or early day three draft pick, depending on, how he tests and how he looks in these offseason workouts. It's just a guy to watch for.
1: Any any idea on 40 time or, or potential 40 time, anything like that? Uh is he is he I, quick, uh, is, he, I, is he fast or is he more quick than fast? I mean, I, I'm looking at some of his stats and we've got it up on the screen here. I mean, I, I'm looking I lo- I love the sophomore year, 39, 39 solos, four interceptions, five pass defense, but I, I also like the next year, 11 passes defense uh as a junior so i mean i mean, I like some of that stuff but uh just curious about some of the measurable stuff that uh may come with so like obviously one of the most athletic
2: cornerbacks is possible i don't think he's gonna blaze an incredible 40 time there i think it's gonna be more in the the mid to the late four fours in terms of best case scenario it, it's, all, it's all about traits though so like you know, if your cornerback isn't the fastest, but if he runs, you know, good agility drills in terms of a three counter short shuttle, there's value in that. I think the explosion is going to come off the screen at, at Indianapolis at the combine. Um, I think it's it's going to be in terms of an all around athletic profile, which is kind of dangerous to do. It, it's it needs to be weighed properly with that lack of uh, lack of size. It's probably going to measure in under 195 pounds, but I think we're going to see decent speed, decent decent agility at the combine.
1: Yeah, Michael Michael Flukas in the live Facebook chat said I thought he had issues with his recovery speed. Uh, I, I don't know if you've seen anything like that on on tape, but um... again, he's not 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 a blazer, and
2: he and he can sometimes loses the ball. And you know, even for being as experienced he is, he does have some shortcomings. We're not talking about a potential first round player here, but it's somebody that I'm definitely going to be watching in one on ones at, at at the Senior Bowl because that. You know those drills are designed for receivers to get easy separation, and you can really tell which cornerbacks are are able to handle that. You know the, the, that type of quickness off the line, and we're going to see how good he is up against linebackers because he, you know, he's been most comfortable playing off the ball in those zone concepts. So, seeing him in, in press coverage and bump run coverage is going to be a great test to see how, how diverse of a skill set that he has at the position.
1: Sounds good. You do have a, uh, from, from listener Ken Dipple, uh, he has been asking us for over about a week now about um, Antonio Gandhi-Golden from Liberty. He's a wide receiver. He wants to know about him, seeing as how you are going to the Senior Bowl, and this is a small school kid. He is huge. He's 6'4", 2- 220, um, kind of an out and tate type of guy, so uh, don't you don't necessarily have to do a full-blown report, but we've got a little assignment for you. If you can keep an eye on on that player for us, um, that would be awesome, and uh, let us know what you think about him, because our listener is very, very curious about that.
2: Yeah, I will, I will only look at a Liberty player if somebody asks me to.
1: Okay, uh, we've covered a number of different players, a few quarterbacks as well, and... Now we're kind of wrapping things up. John, do you want to do the honors of going first this week or would you like me to, to go first? You, you talked a
2: bit for the past couple minutes, so I'll give you a break as I go Ooh. through my prospect. Okay, Thank All you. right. Um, like, like Anthony said, we kept a theme here with, with, a, with certain positions that we've talked about, and I'm not going to deviate from that now considering the draft is just a week away. But, you know, I think all, a lot of people have a good – I have gauged a good feeling about this linebacker class beyond Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray, you got your Logan Wilsons, your Keen Davis Gaithers, your Willie Gay juniors, who was profiled here back in December lost in the conversation. I think is Jordan Brooks, the linebacker at Texas tech. And he was a guy, one of the first linebackers I even learned about in this draft class way back in like September, October, when I think it was Dame Brugler, who was, was tweeting about how productive he was at Texas tech, not only in this first three years, but how productive he started the season. And he continued producing throughout the season. Um, At at the end, he accounted for, I think, 12.3% of Texas Tech solo tackles. And that's 12.3% solo tackle market share. Any mark above 11% is high quality. I think Jermaine Pratt had 11% in North Carolina State. He was in the 80th percentile. You typically like to see 80th or above percentile in terms of maximizing your potential as an NFL linebacker. But sometimes... You know, guys who have, rack up a lot of solo tackles in college, they don't always translate into the NFL. How do you how do you how do you contextualize that production? Well, PFF graded him as the highest graded run defending linebacker in this class, and also graded him as the best tackling linebacker in this class. Hmm. So those solo tackles that they they mean something because you know this is the guy that stays in his fits, he reads his keys well, and he takes on blocks better than most linebackers in this class. It's not like a Kenneth Murray situation where he's explosive and he gets downhill but he's scared to take on the blocker. He kind of dips under this guy will will take on guards in the second level and he will try to put them in the dirt and he will try to fight them off. And when he gets to to the ball carry, He makes him pay. Like this is a hard hitting tackler. This is a downhill player. This is a guy that's perfect for a 3-4 scheme and the Bengals are trying to run more. I I think a a great long-term answer beyond what Josh Bynes will be this year next to Jermaine Pratt. There are a couple negatives, though, and I think they are negatives that Bengals fans are going to take into account for. One, he has a shoulder problem. He first injured in his freshman year back in 2016. It required surgery. He was fine for the next two years. But he ended up missing the last game of his senior year with with the same type of injury. It's why he couldn't participate at the combine beyond his 40-yard dash, which, by the way, he ran a 4.54. So that sideline to sideline speed, that explosion, it it showed up at the combine as well. At six foot two hundred forty pounds, but it's the reason why he we didn't see any jumps, we didn't see any uh, agility drills there. And that's it. And Bengals, Bengals, the the Bengals have been plagued with shoulder injuries in, in recent years. John Ross. Billy Price, or I think he's more of a pectoral, but Jonah Williams had a shoulder injury last year, so they're very sensitive to that type of injury, so that may be a reason why he may not be as high on their board. And also, he's just not very, really experienced in coverage, and he may not be the athlete that you want dropping back 10 yards deep in, in those nickel-type situations. He's, he's just a traditional downhill linebacker, but he has more speed than the Ray Malalugas or the Hardy Nigersons or the Vinny Rays of the, the past that we've seen line up at inside linebacker for the Bengals. So I think... In terms of just what he does well, he fits a lot with the theme of what we've seen this offseason. Bengals want to get better run defense, they want better tacklers. There is no better combination of those two at the linebacker class than Jordan Brooks. provides all this all the size check marks, all this all the athleticism check marks that they look for. Um, I, I think in terms of where you would draft him, the, the, the top of the second round is a little bit too high. I think if if they do move back from the 33rd overall pick, maybe into the forties or the low forties, that is where you would start to legitimately see him come off the board. Ideally, you would wait until the top of the third round. I think that's where his value is most maximized after, you know, Willie Gay maybe goes off the board. He may be like the fifth or sixth linebacker drafted in this class. And I think if he's there, he's becomes an obvious pick as just that long-term answer next to Jermaine Pratt, keep him, keep him in, in between the tackles, keep him in that condensed space. He can run down plays to the sideline and he can take on blocks. And that's something that, the Bengals just don't have a lot in space at the
1: position. So you think third round is good value for for Jordan Brooks?
2: Yes. And I and I think there's talk about him maybe sneaking into the late second, which is why if they do trade down, he becomes, I think, a legitimate option. Because if you're reading what if you're hearing what Dave Lavam's saying, it's obvious that linebacker is going to be a position that they're, they're going to target very early in this draft. I mean that that was already obvious anyways, but they're going to be looking to see if Patrick Queen or Kenneth Murray fall through the crack through the cracks in the first round. If they don't, I'm not sure they're going to have Jordan Brooks graded that high. So if they do try to trade down, he becomes, I think an option there. If they have someone higher on the board after that happens, I think they are just waiting to see if he gets to 65. It's right now. It seems like a 50, 50, if he's even going to get there. But if he does, I think he fits a lot of the boxes that the Bengals look for in their linebackers.
1: What do you think he would, would he be a surefire second rounder if he wasn't dealing with some of the, the shoulder stuff and stuff that you mentioned?
2: It, it, it might go both ways because he he would be a first round pick if, if he like, if, if this was 2005, he would be a first round pick right. because coverage wasn't, wasn't too, you know, important for linebackers back in the day. But I think had he had tested a full, if he had, if he provided a full athletic profile, I think we would have seen some of those weaknesses with, with those tight hips. So he might not have had the greatest short shuttle or three cone. I think he would have still done good in the, in the explosion jumps. So, Maybe his stock stays the same because you get to see more of what he does well and what he doesn't do well. So maybe him not testing kind of saved him in that regard. But in the mid-2000s, this guy's a first-round pick for what he does well. Right now, he's more of a limited player. But the things that he does do well, it's something that the Bengals still don't have. So there's definite value in that.
1: One of those guys that you wish... Pro days were available because the if you saw I, I posted the the combine numbers and, and whatnot that uh, uh, up earlier and great for a linebacker 4.54 40 yard dash that's pretty solid but didn't have any other measurables from the combine you wish that the pro day had been conducted so you can get more uh, get more information there John it's gonna be a, a busy week next week but uh, I'll see you soon my friend I'll see you then man all right.